So this week, uh, being that it's Mother's Day, we're going we're gonna to pause in our um, series in Romans 12, The Transformed Life, and we're going to wrap that up next week. Typically, we, typically um, here at Oregon Hill, Grace Chapel, we would be going through a series, I'd be walking through a passage, um, or occasionally a topical series that will, uh, we'd be walking through some different passages. Um, this morning's going to be a little more thematic, I will through uh, the mid- somewhere in the middle, I'll be kind of giving a collage of scriptures. Um, you can jot some of those down. If you're interested, I can, I can give them to you later as well. Um, but we did just, I did just want to take a, a little bit of a pause here on Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all your mothers. Happy Mother's Day. Um, I, sometimes I, I just, you kind of say, what is it about, what is it about moms? I, I always think it's funny when, uh, you know, fathers sometimes, you know, fathers are like, you know, you know, out there playing catch with their their uh, son or whatever, and then they grow up and they 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 cut to the sideline of some pro football team, and this hulking, you know, ma- uh, behemoth of masculinity, you know, they turn and all of a sudden the camera comes on them and they act like a seven year old boy and they start waving and they go, "What? Hi, mom. <laughs> Hi, mom." I read a plaque a couple of weeks ago that said it's not easy being a mother. If it were easy, fathers would do it. (laughs) It's just a joke, though, right? It's just a joke. See, I'm glad I can say a joke like that here. Now, being a mom is hard. And I think that's, you know, even you, you see some of the heart of that as we shared this morning. And as I, as I prayed earlier, some, for some, Mother's Day is hard. Um, for some, it accentuates this kind of feeling of ever-present guilt that they're never doing enough. And um, I think that's sad because we, we in our culture, and, and really too often in our Christian culture, set up standards that are really um, unattainable for parents. Uh, for others, it's hard because it's a yearly reminder of loss or a yearly reminder of broken relationships, or maybe even abuse, or unfulfilled dreams. Uh, For for many others, uh, days like Mother's Day kind of brings a mixed bag of emotions and memories, some good, some bad. The reality is that all our lives are complex, and all our families are complex, um, involving beauty and pain, and all involving broken and dysfunctional people in, at least at some level, broken and dysfunctional families. But we do have kind of an image of, at least in our mind, of what a good mom is. And, or maybe we could say a, a mom who mothers well. What, what, are, what, is, what comes to mind when you think of a mom that's mothering well? What are some, what are some thoughts that you have there? What are some characteristics, maybe we could say? A praying mother. A praying mother. Yeah. Selfless. Selfless. Yeah, a, a teacher, an instructor, that's good. Okay. 
So mom might be that one that, that really is looking to bring harmony when there's conflict. Good. Slip and cut. That's right. Psalm 139, right? One of my favorite passages. Unconditional love. Yeah, traditionally we tend to um, characterize mothers as being the more nurturing parent. And, and that's, you know, that, that's, not, that's, that's not always the case, right? We, we always have to say that. There, there may be families, even very healthy families, that the father is more hardwired as a nurturer uh, than the mother, depending on temperament, depending on personality, depending on life experience, both good and bad, right? So it might just be purely temperament, but also there's experiences or lack of experiences that kind of develop, are part of the development process for all of us, what our folks were like and um, what, what we received. And I, I believe that God is a God that is, is one that can, that can move us all beyond those places, right? We can get stuck in those places otherwise, but God can heal and restore and move us beyond those places. Uh, but, but again, even in the healthiest of families, you know, that varies. There's probably a spectrum there. Um, and obviously, a lot of children grow up in unhealthy families um, uh, with neglectful mothers or, or abusive mothers or absentee mothers. But when the, when the situation is generally healthy, um, mothers do typically have kind of a unique role in the family unit. There, there's a special type of care that comes from mom. Uh, there's a special type of even uh, a protective spirit that comes from the female parent. Uh, moms are not related to mama bears, right, for, for no reason. So growing up as a kid, how many of you uh, got more worried when there was a conflict? You're out playing kickball. There's a conflict. How many of are you are more worried when mama starts walking down the street than when dad? You know, d mama gets that look in her eye. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't. What's going on? You know, there's this protective, this instinct for many mothers to protect. So, again, recognizing that there's a great variety within each gender, the fact still remi remains that when God created male, uh, mankind, male and female, he created them. He created two genders. I know that's not a popular concept in our culture today, but he created two genders both equally human and both equally and beautifully unique. Uh, it's women who are created with more estrogen and men who are created with more testosterone. It's a woman who becomes pregnant and carries a baby in her body for nine months. It's she who goes through the birthing process. It's mothers who God has created in such a way that they could even feed their babies from their very bodies. So I, I certainly would always want to give a nod to the reality that there's complexities to this and there's spectrums to this. But women still seem to be created in such a way in which she nurtures differently than her masculine counterpart, the man or the father in the relationship. And that can be said for fathers as well. Uh, the, each, each, the father and the mother, I believe, are meant to bring a different, beautifully distinctive component into their parenting. 
So the central question I wanted to ask today, being that it's Mother's Day, is can we think of God, who is chiefly referred to in male terms in the scriptures, as one who also nurtures us with the care, the protection, the affection that's typically associated with a mother? So to begin, I'll ask another question that's a pretty simple question. Um, But it's a question that that often seems to get particularly men, if I could say, particularly men and particularly who are staunchly patriarchal in their view of culture or faith or church or family, a bit queasy. Does God have a gender? Maybe you've never even thought of that question before. (laughs) Does God have a gender? Now, as I said, clearly, Scripture consistently presents God as our Father, Um, both to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, and as we are adopted into God's family through faith in Jesus Christ, we are encouraged now on a more personal level to call out to a heavenly Father. Even, we're even told that he's our Abba Father, which is this very intimate term for Father, this, this, we might, this endearing term, we might say Daddy. So he's pictured as the Father of Israel and kind of this heavenly Father Daddy to those who are adopted into the church family through Christ. Also, Jesus was clearly a male human being when he walked on the earth, and we're told that he is God's son. These are realities that cannot or should not be ignored. God has predominantly presented himself in male terms throughout the Bible. But does that mean that God is distinctly male as we understand, if it's a word, maleness? Outside of the incarnation... Are we to understand God as being confined to a specific gender? Now, some of you are already kind of going, oh, no, where, where is he going? What's, you know, I'm really not even trying to be controversial here. Um, I, I'm, I'm not encouraging, and I won't be encouraging at the end for anyone to pray to Mother God, okay, or anyone to pray to your heavenly parent. That, that's not, there, there's nowhere in Scripture that encourages us in that way. But I am encouraging us to enlarge sometimes our limited thinking about God and our narrow understanding of God. Um, The scripture encourages us to continue to enlarge our view of God, to enlarge our understanding of God. And and we need to understand that the essence of God is is, is uh, is not that he is specifically male, but that he is infinite and unlimited and a spirit. Jesus told the Samaritan woman in John 4, 24, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and truth. And in this, we would also do well to go back to creation. And I think there's something important to be learned in in what we see in the creation of mankind. We see that God created man, and again, the idea there is not specifically male, but mankind. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, 
He created him. So as God created mankind in his image, we see that his image is expressed both in man and woman. Right? He made them male and female. That was the likeness that he was creating. So perhaps we could say the fuller picture of God is really seen in them both. Therefore, there are aspects of the male gender that reflect God's image. And there are aspects of the female gender that reflect God's image. And only together do we have a brighter glimpse of God. That's why I think in a Christian marriage, you can really get a, a more beautiful and clearer glimpse of God when you see husband and wife working together in a, in a marriage than maybe even we do on our own. So, back to my first question. And just to, again, accentuate, Jesus was male. God is regularly referred to in male terms, but he's infinite, knowing no limitations. So he's certainly not restricted by our concepts of maleness. God is spirit far above and beyond limitations of male or female. And only by taking in the scope of both male and female do we get the fuller expression of how mankind is made in his likeness. So back to the first question. Are there aspects of God who we are encouraged to know and relate to as our heavenly father that are motherly? Is that even this word, biblical? Is that even biblical? I don't always like how that word is used. If I could stand on a soapbox for a second. The word biblical is used in really sloppy ways a lot because too often the word biblical is used to accentuate one aspect of God or one side of a doctrine or principle and completely neglects another that is also biblical. Or sometimes it's applied to things that are really found in church tradition or extra biblical doctrine as it's expounded on God's word but not specifically from God's word. So I think sometimes we need to be a little more careful with what we say is and is not biblical. But is this concept that God, our heavenly father, can deal with us in motherly ways, is that biblical? As we read through scripture, we see that God, the father of Israel, the heavenly daddy to the church, is also very comfortable expressing himself metaphorically in motherly terms. And we really see this throughout the whole Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we'll give some examples here. There's there's pictures in the Old Testament of kind of Father God as a nesting uh, protective eagle over her eaglets. Uh, God calls himself in another place uh, like a mother bear. Like we talked about before, that idea of how we think of a mother bear being protective of her cubs. And there's plenty of imagery like that throughout Scripture. Several times God speaks of himself, interestingly enough, in terms of a mother giving birth. And of motherly protection and care. Deuteronomy 32.18 says, You were unmindful of the rock that bore you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. 
I'm just going to read through a, a few other verses here in the Old Testament. Um, a few of them are in Isaiah. The first that I'll read is actually in Hosea. This is Hosea 11, 3. 3 and 4. It was I who, brought, who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with ties of love. I lifted a yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. A few references out of Isaiah. Isaiah 42, verse 14. For a long time I have kept silent. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp. I pant. There's a lot you can do. I, I read there in a book a whole chapter just about that one verse, just about the amazing imagery that God is relating himself to a woman crying out in the throes of childbirth. Isaiah 46, verse 3. Listen to me, O house of Jacob. All you who remain of the house of Israel, you whom I have upheld since you were conceived and have carried since your birth. Isaiah 49, verse 15, very famous, well-known verse here. It says, Can a mother forget her baby at her breast? And have no compassion on the child she has born. Though she may forget, I will not forget you. And then one more in Isaiah, Isaiah 66, verses 12 through 13. For this is what the Lord says. I will extend peace like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm. And dandled, that's dandled, you ever, I had to look that up. That's kind of like a, how you'd bob a, bob a child. Dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her, comforts her child, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. So there's many pictures, and, and I actually could have, I could have quoted several more, of which God is very comfortable with expressing himself in the Old Testament, this Father God of Israel, in these tender, motherly terms. So what of Jesus, this, this God-man who walked the earth? He says in Luke chapter 13, verses 34 and, and 35, famously, as he comes up to Jerusalem and he's, his heart is breaking over his longing for the people of Jerusalem. He says, O oh, Jerusalem, Jer Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent, you, sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. So again, even our Lord Jesus is not afraid to, to give this very motherly picture of care and protection. And what of the Holy Spirit? It's been noted that the word spirit uh, in Hebrew is actually um, a, a word that's in the feminine form. Now, li linguistically, that can be a bit overplayed. 
and I think at times that is overplayed. Uh, the, the words that are often used for the Holy Spirit in the New Testament in the Greek are often neutral or in the masculine. And again, it's not that the Holy Spirit is either male nor female. He is spirit. But at times he's expressed in masculine terms and at times in motherly terms. And I think a great example of this is actually one that you've heard so many times that you probably never even really think much about how it's being expressed. It's through the Holy Spirit that Jesus told Nicodemus that we must be what? Born again or born from above. This is a distinctly motherly picture. Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And of course, Nicodemus starts going, what are you talking about? I can't, get, I can't climb back in my mother's womb. So no, flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So what does this mean for us? One might say, so what? God occasionally speaks of himself in ways typically associated with a mother. What does that matter? Well, for one, I think it matters because we must give honor to the fact that God is reflected through the female gender <laughs> as well as being reflected through the male gender. It also matters because we're encouraged in God's word, as I said, to get a larger view and understanding of him, of who he is, of how he reaches out and how he cares for his people, how he interacts with his people. And he uses all through scripture all kinds of instruction and all kinds of metaphors and word pictures and poetry and narrative to draw us into these realities. Some people automatically think of God only in terms associated with maleness. And if I can say that they're often, it's often a maleness that is sinful, broken, and dysfunctional in its own right. And because of that, and because uh, so many have had hard relationships maybe with their dads, their fathers, or, or no relationship with their dad, they, they kind of think of God as an aloof, stern disciplinarian. That, that, that really we can never measure up to and is always disappointed with us. And that's really such an unfair picture of the God of the Bible. He is a loving father. He wants to dwell with us. I mean, that's, that's part of the theme of the entire Bible. <laughs> the tabernacle, the temple, Jesus coming and putting on flesh and tabernacling and dwelling amongst his people of him wanting to dwell with us so badly, of, of, of making a way of reconciliation for us, that Jesus would sacrifice himself, God the Son, that he would make a way that we could be reunited. In Revelation, it's now, now my place is with you. Now we're together. Now I will dwell with you and you with me. This is the God of the Bible, the one who wants to dwell with us. The one that is willing to sacrifice himself to make a way, to pay for our sin. If we would only turn, even through the Old Testament, it says over and over again, we think of the Old Testament, we think of this God that's kind of out to get people. It's the same God. God is immutable. He is unchanging. 
He never changes. It's the same God in the Old Testament as in the New Testament, but it's the God working through two different covenants. And we see very clearly that we would rather work through a covenant of grace than a covenant of law. This is the God who says, just turn. Just turn because I want to be with you to make a way to reconcile. Brought into our, he, he wants us to be brought into his family forever, to provide for us, to communicate with us, to commune with us, to have an intimate relationship with us. And as we see today, that this, this love of the heavenly father is so complete that he's willing to express that even in motherly terms. Like a woman in labor over us, the one that brings us new birth, the one that takes us by the hand or carries us when we need it. He desires to be a, like a mother hen who would protect, gather and protect her chicks under her wings. And even though some, mother, some women may forget the child in their womb or the child at their breast, he will never forget his own. I thought it was neat, and I don't think it's too much of a stretch to relate this. I, my, uh, I had a grandmother pass away um, last week as well. And so my father and his three sisters um, at, at my Nana's service had to bury my Nana last week. And my dad testified that his mother, one thing about his mother he testified is that she always had a song in her heart. And because she always had a song in her heart, she always had a song on her lips. She was just always known to be one that was singing. And he often remembers her that way and singing over them and with them. And he thought, and he took that motherly picture of his mother singing over her children and said, what a beautiful thought, as it says in Zephaniah 3.17, that our God, the Lord your God, is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will, he will rejoice with you, over you with singing. And he thought, what a wonderful thing now that his mother, the one who always had a song in her heart, who always wanted to sing over her children, was now with the God that was doing that to her face to face. Our Father God, with a tender heart, the affectionate love, the doting care, the protective ferocity of a mother. Allow me to close with a, a practical encouragement this Mother's Day. If your mother is still alive, and I know that doesn't apply to all of you, if your mother is still alive, and whether that's a mother by blood or maybe a mother through adoption, choose to honor and love her. Choose to honor and love her. And I'd encourage you even more practically to, to express that very clearly and practically this week. Whether it's a visit or a call or a gift or a taking her out or just spending quality time. We, we can spend so much of our lives feeling ripped off by our parents and, and not move to the spiritual maturity of loving them right where they are. That's something I've had to learn with my own mother. 
My, my mother has, has, has always been and continues to be very faithful, very concerned for her children and her grandchildren. But I didn't grow up, and for different reasons, and this wasn't all her fault, with, I didn't grow up with her being particularly doting or affectionate. But I learned as I moved into my adult years that she's a human. And I have to love her right where she's at. And that's my call as a follower of Jesus Christ. Your mother's not able to love you every way you should be loved. She has and will fail you. And, and I know that for some of you, that's been more grievous than others. She herself is scarred and sinful and broken, as you are. And only God can fix each one of us. Amen? Only God can love you with perfection. So our call is to choose to love, to choose to honor. And if your mother is no longer living, allow me to encourage you to, to bless another mother this week. Maybe it's a mother-in-law. Maybe it's someone who has been like a mother to you. Maybe, it's, maybe if you're an older woman, maybe you encourage and come alongside a younger mother. Maybe you give her a break this week. Help her with the kids. Babysit. Let them know that they're doing an honorable job. And lastly, if and when your mother does love you well, or you even have the faintest memory of her loving you well, or someone has stepped in her stead and loved you as a mother should, Maybe it's often for some, and maybe it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an occasional rarity for others. But if she's ever entered in and been tender, tender or doting, or present, or over-the-top concerned, affectionate, maybe even embarrassingly so, you can let go now, Mom, hugging you until you can't breathe. When she listens to your life stories, when she cries with your life's pains, when she celebrates your victories like no one else could or would, the loudest person on the sideline, remember in those moments, even if they're few, that that moment is a glimpse, that that moment is a taste, a mere reflection of how your God loves you. And even in the sad case that a mother would forget, God will never forget you. Amen? Let's pray. So, Father God, we recognize that you are so good. We want to expand our view of you and our understanding of you. We honor you for how you reveal yourself through your word. That you're a good, good father. And you're a good father that is so loving, so caring, that you even express that in ways that, is, that are typically associated with a good, good mom. 
that you would dote on us and protect us and care for us and have such a tender affection for us that you would feed us and carry us and take us by the hand when necessary. I pray, Lord God, that these are words of encouragement to these brothers and sisters here this morning, that we would know that you would care for us that much. I thank you, Lord God, that, that you have designed us in such a way that we can see glimpses of you in both male and female. I thank you, Lord, for our mothers. And I know even in saying that, it's such a mixed bag and such a complex thing to enter into and so much beauty and so much pain. But we thank you that you've put us in the family you've put us in purposely. Help us, Lord God, in turn, as we have been loved by you, to choose to love our mothers. For those, Lord, who do not have that opportunity, I pray that you ease any guilt or regret that they would have, that they, they know that in you there is complete forgiveness, complete care, complete love, and that they would in turn love another mother to come alongside, to help, to encourage. Lord, may we follow your way in all its goodness and even when it calls us to do things that are counterintuitive, that you may be honored and that we'll trust that they're good. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.